Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, screen rats. I have a cold, as you can probably tell. It just won't budge. I feel like I've been sniffing for a month now. So, obviously, I'm not going to put you through too much of me talking with a blocked nose. Uh, today's guest on Television Times is a really great guest. It's so much fun. I was having a bit of a sort of down period after the Darren Brown uh, episode dropped because we got a lot of bites on social media, a lot of bites, a lot of views of the audiogram video. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands, but that does not equate to downloads, people. I cannot tell how many of you are listening, but I can see how many of you are downloading and the sort of click rate from like watching a post to actually engaging with it and then actually listening to the podcast is pretty low. So I was a bit down and I was thinking that whole thing that I think sometimes like who the hell is listening? Why should I keep going with this? Even though I've got loads of great episodes coming up and I just had, you know, Darren Brown on for goodness sakes. But um, yeah, I was just feeling a bit low. And then I thought, you know what, I'll start doing the next episode. And so I started editing this episode and it just gave me all the energy and all the sort of positivity back because Rob Rouse is our guest this week. He is just so fucking funny. Like uh, in the recording, because it was a, a online recording, I missed a lot of the gags that he was doing. And I picked them up uh, while I was on playing them back. And it was just like, oh, my God, I couldn't even hear half of that because of the bad connection. But, my God, he's so funny and so engaging. And it's just put all the life back into me that I needed to sort of carry on with this podcast. It's a very positive episode for me. Uh, Rob's brilliant. You know him from so many things, I'm sure. Uh, just IMDB him. But in the UK, he's probably quite well known for playing Bottom in Upstart Crow, uh, for instance. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a guy. Uh, he does Edinburgh shows all the time. He's a very funny comedian and just an all-round hilarious man. You know, so uh, I think we got on pretty well. Um, I worked on a show of his. Well, I didn't work on a show of his. I helped move some props around on a show of his back in uh, Edinburgh about five years ago or so. Oh, or maybe it's eight years. I don't know. Fucking what year is this? It's 2025 next year, apparently, which blows my mind. Uh, anyway, so uh, I don't want to go on too much about uh, things. I can't talk for long anyway because I'm expecting some builders to come, allegedly, to fix a garage door that fell off in a storm the moment we moved into this house. And it's still not been fixed. And I'm waiting for the property company to actually send someone around. And I'm expecting someone to turn up with a garage door under their arm. But they're probably going to end up uh, turning up with a piece of A4 and a pencil. So anyway, without further ado, let's just get into it. It's a funny episode. I really love Rob. He's great. He's just a fucking all-round great guy. Check him out. Loads of comedy online on YouTube. Go to his website for more information. But, you know, here we go. This is me talking to the brilliant and hilarious Rob Rouse. Whether you're out walking or sitting in your house, here's me talking to somebody. This time it's Rob Rouse. Roll up, roll up. Welcome to Television Times, a weekly podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. You've got longer hair than me. Similar colour, actually. Well, isn't it? Well, mine's probably a bit greyer than yours, Steve, I should think now. Yeah, well, especially at the sides here, look. These white areas, like a human Battenberg. Thank you very much. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, yeah. We have met, you might not remember. Uh, I, I, do. I my, do. My brain, though, at nearly 50 is... Yeah. Are we recording yet? Are we on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my yes, brain at nearly 50 is... I mean, it's not what it... I mean, it was never that sharp, Steve, I love with you, but um, bits of information fall out 
now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to work out because it was at the Guild of Balloon, wasn't it? Yes, I was uh, masquerading as a production manager and uh, you were there. I think the last time I saw you, you were doing the ladder with your wife, I believe. Yes, there we in go. The, yeah, that was great room. fun. In the dining room, yeah. I used to help you move. The, I'd come in and I'd see that the people that should be helping you weren't fast enough so then I'd get in and we'd move I remember. Really and, oh my God, you, what a difference you made there because the... Yes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you picked up the slack, and and but that that's that's the joy and the reality of a festival, isn't it? Like you, mm. everyone's got to kind of muck in and do uh, just do what needs to be done. I always think. Yeah, I think I had a bit of an OCD about the uh, you know shows going up on time. Well, and that was my thing. I was like, I want this show up on time. Well, that, well, otherwise the world goes to shit, Steve. Let's be honest, and a festival falls apart. Absolutely. <laughs> what time was that on? Do you remember? I mean, you probably we were on at eleven fifteen. I remember. Right, right, right. Because we did we did eleven fifteen the next year as well uh, with um, our follow up show, Funny in Real Life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where uh, the conceit being that I I was meant to be doing a stand up show, right? As me, that I thought I'd booked in at eleven fifteen. PM. Yeah. But didn't have my reading glasses to hand when I'm, oh, I made right, right. the, filled in the forms. So I was, I was a me, and it was quite, and it was an earthy show about childbirth and, and, uh, oh, right. the kind of the grittier end of life. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so the, I, the conceit being I was on the back foot doing it at 11 15, but make AM, but making the best of it. That's great. I wish I saw that. And Helen, my wife, was in the audience mm. and uh, she'd started chipping in in sort of the first five minutes. <laughs> To um, your own heckler. Yeah, exactly. And it was great because it, it, it sowed an absolute seed of chaos at the start of the show. And there was yeah. one week, uh, one week, I remember Jade Adams was in oh, yeah. um, with a few mates and she started telling Helen to shut up in the audience. She got, <laughs> shut the fuck up. The guy's trying to do his show. <laughs> And uh, she was mortified and pissed herself when she found out what was going on. Yeah. And, then the sh- and then basically I bring the lights up. And then go, oh, you know, it's realise it's it's my wife who's heckling, contesting mm. the truth of veracity of what I'm oh, saying. Gotcha. And then the show spirals into this double act about what you know, whose story is who's to tell. And I think I think it was one of the best things we've, I've ever done on the stage. It was great. It was brilliant. You've done a lot in that room because I was talking to Andre Vincent. And he said he did a show with you in that room as well, the dining room. Yeah, that was in two thousand. I'm going to say two thousand and one or two. I think it was the he Big and Daft Christmas show we did. Yeah, summertime Christmas show. And he played uh, kind of a, a sort of broken, dirty Santa Claus in it. I can see that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, typecast again. Well, at least that room, because that room was, for me, that when I used to do that kind of work, that room was the, the cursed room. And luckily you were in it earlier. Why was it cursed? Go it on. It used to just get hotter and hotter and hotter. Do you remember oh, the noise shit, it did. from those yeah. fucking aircon units under the seats? Yeah. It's like a jet engine. Yeah, we'd have to turn them off. I don't know if we turned them off for you, but we might. Have I done. remember. I, I remember realizing that was one of the boons at being on in the morning. Hmm. Uh, there was a chance that the building had sort of slightly cooled down after yeah. all the late night shenanigans, and there'd been, to a degree, some form of an air change. Yeah, <laughs> and the earlier you got on, the better. And I remember going yeah, yeah. to try and see shows on in that venue at night. Yeah, yeah. And just I'd uh, been crippled by it. Absolutely, just at the time. Well, they've sorted it, I think, because I went to see Jack Doherty this year, and that was quite late, probably around nine o'clock. It mm. was lovely and cool in there. So I don't mm. know what they've done. They must have, I, I don't know. I mean, there must have been times. I remember doing the, the Pleasants either upstairs or above, or maybe both of them mm. at different times, and then being so hot. I remember 2000 and eh, going to say three, doing the upstairs one in the courtyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and handing out ice pops at half time, which I get from some um what's it called? Summer Foods on Nicholson Street. Oh, okay. Just because it it just felt it felt almost insulting to the audience to ask yeah, them to yeah. sit there in that heat. And I bought four pedestal fans from B and Q and then handed out ice pops. I can know. You had to do it yourself. Cause it yeah, because it it was insane. Mm. And then and then when I did two thousand and nine, did the other one, the Pleasant me, Simon Brodkin, Shappy, and I think Des Clark went mm. four ways, spent a grand on an aircon for the month. Really? And the Pleasants wow. gave a shit about having to remove a small window pane to vent it out. <laughs> I genuinely, if Defra had come in yeah. um, and someone had been trying to keep chickens in there, they would have been prosecuted. Were you up there this year? Uh, and I oh, wasn't no, there this year because you, you had your operation injury. on my foot. Yeah. So what yeah. happened there? Well, I've got this cool thing that all the young, trendy comics have got called arthritis. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I, I'm, I'm predicting now a spate of arthritis-based shows <laughs> right, coming gotcha. in from all the trendy young comics. They'll drop it at about 45, bring everyone down, and bring them back up with a recovery story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I just, I just had to have a, the joint on my big toe fused, basically, because wow. the, all the cartilage is gone to it. And and I do, I'm quite, I'm quite busy on stage, and, yeah, yeah. and it's bone on bone and how how does that occur is it just what is the thing that causes ju- that? it ju- who knows my wife thinks mm. it's because i got flat feet and i walk around like a duck um <laughs> the doctor says it could be genetic uh, and it could be every single thing under the sun and right. it's not in the other joints in the toes mercifully it's just the big toe joint yeah um so now that's fused i can run again there's no pain in that one but right. the other one's screaming and get that done just before christmas wow. <laughs> but then next year i'll be back I'll be back sprinting and bouncing around again. I played a lot of guitar when I was younger, and um, I think it might be in my head, but sometimes you, know, you get like a shooting pain or something in your mm-hmm. arm, and I just think, oh, my kind of my arms hurt a little bit. Sometimes I'll, <laughs> ridiculous, sometimes I'll treat myself, go to a Premier Inn, buy like yeah. four wrist supports from Poundland and some deep mm-hmm. heat, and I'll just put them on my wrists and my, and my feet. And it's like a little sort of, it's like going to a sort of spa. Just sort of relax. Yeah, like a, like a budget <laughs> spa at a prem. Although actually, probably you're probably cheaper going to a spa. <laughs> yeah, the Premier Inn, they could they could be upwards of a hundred quid, can't they? To book, Steve. It's. Uh, I mean, they can. You, you want to treat yourself to a real spa, mate? Yeah, instead of doing it on. on I love the Premier Inn. I want them to be a sponsor of this podcast. Um, I love them. <laughs> You've made that quite clear. Beep, beep. When me and my missus are sort of tired, or the kids have driven us mad, one yeah. of us will just go to a Premier Inn for a night in our own city. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that, that's something you have to learn, you know, as, as a new parent, is sometimes the greatest birthday present you can give your partner is a night alone in a hotel yeah. without you there. That's exactly what I asked for. It's my birthday very soon, so that's exactly what I asked for. Two nights in the premium, please. <laughs> Works for me. With unfettered access to the vending machine. Oh, I've not, I don't think I've ever used a vending machine in the premium. I do a thing where I take Tupperware, God, I sound like such a cheapskate. I take Tupperware, a tin of noodles, a tin of tuna, and I make sort of a meal in my room. Incredible. I know. Incredible. Well, I, I do find, I mean, like, as, as a comedian, when you're on the road, yeah. when you are at the, at the behest of what's available at a hotel, you can very quickly feel institutionalised. Mm. So, um, you know, within two or three days, I'll be boiling eggs in the kettle. Have you done you that? Know, have you actually done yeah, that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You just, um, you have to be careful lowering them in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you, you've got to, you've got to, you know, obviously stay open to the possibility that the eggs could fracture uh, at some point. And then mm. you've, you've either got to, you've got to fess up to housekeeping. 
I've boiled mushrooms in there. I've done mushrooms. You boiled mushrooms? Yeah. I have boiled mushrooms, but it makes the room smell. But my, because yeah. I know I've done that, I now pre-boil the kettle when I check in. I'll like boil oh, yeah. the kettle, throw that away, because apparently people do their pants. So Whoa! <laughs> I'm that. never staying in a hotel ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and I take my own remote control, because the remote control is most definitely contaminated. But does yours work? <laughs> yeah, I've got a Samsung. I've learned the uh, unlock codes for the tellies, so I can turn them all up and make them work properly. My godfathers, I dread to think what else you've hacked into. I found out something about you today that I didn't know. Go on. The warm-up for the TV show Coupling. Yeah, someone's been on Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I didn't know that, and I, I just look out for things that I actually watched and loved. Yeah, oh, and wow. I did love that. I love that it's, show. It's... It's mad. I remember it was made by, who's it, Hartswood Films, Beryl and Sue Virtue. Right. Who were two absolute titans of, uh, of, of the world's of, uh, studio sitcoms. And I remember, I remember they, they, they were brilliant because it was fairly early on in my, in my sort of career as a stand-up. And, um, and I, I was quite good at freewheeling and just kind of going with the flow and making things up. Yeah. And anyone who's ever been to a sitcom recorder will know that they go on for far too long at the best of <laughs> yeah, times. Hours and hours. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and what I really loved about Beryl and Sue was they were always completely uh, pragmatic about that reality of keeping people there for as long as it would take to record a sitcom. They never never overdid it, you know, but they, they supported me in my quest to support the recording so occasionally of course you would get some people complaining about the warm-up and what the warm-up had said really? and uh, and beryl always used to bring me and so used to bring me the letters and we'd read them out together and yeah. they'd obviously say well obviously you know these people can go fuck themselves on this one <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but and it was great it was really funny because um yeah they, they were they were a nice bunch to work for they were really good really good how was it doing that like do you have to come out full of energy because i've been to some recordings and, and i just for some reason i can remember the ones i saw in america and mm. they always come out like 100 percent energy and i can't remember who i used to go and watch so graham norton like years ago yeah yeah and uh the warm-up there was good i can't remember it's probably someone famous joe caulfield now. probably used to do oh, them it? back in those days right. yeah, yeah she was doing a lot of graham stuff she's brilliant mm. still is um but yeah, it's, I find it quite interesting. Like, it's a weird thing now. It's funny, talk, as we are talking about TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it very interesting watching, I was watching some very old episodes of, obviously not very old, but they are old, aren't they? Episodes of Faulty Towers. Yeah. And it's quite clear when you watch it now that uh, they didn't have a studio warm-up as such. Maybe John Cleese came out and said, you know, this is what was going to happen in the episode. Rah, rah, rah. Oh, these are characters. Here's <laughs> yeah, yeah. everyone. Let's do it. Right, right, because right. when you listen to them, you can feel the audience always build. Huh. So now, when you have a warm-up come out and do a sitcom, so when we did Upstart Crow, we yeah. had um, Jala Regan did some and Laura Lex did them, and they both did right. incredible jobs. But it would always be that then when you watch it back, the first thing that happens is, that is, in you know, is, is a funny moment in the script. We'll yeah. get a full laugh from the audience. Right. And that, I'd noticed, did cause people to go, uh, uh, covered in bloody candle after that show. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the armchair yeah, experts yeah, yeah. come out. But the reality is, it's definitely filmed in front of the studio audience. We were there. It's an immutable fact. Yeah. But I can also understand how sometimes, I. Uh, it's a very interesting question, isn't it? Does a laughter track on a sitcom, uh, if you watch them 
very passively, mm. it hel- I think it helps people get into it. Yeah. If you watch it really actively, I think it can sometimes, potentially, depending on the person, get yeah. in the way of your own experience of it. So what I find is, I, I don't know what the answer is, somewhere in the middle, but what I found fascinating watching uh, early episodes of Faulty Towers, if you watch him, there's bits at the start that are funny, mm. classic lines that go pretty much for nout, and it slowly builds up. Right. And and as the tension ratchets up in the episode, you get, you know, because there's so much kind of drama, there's so much action, kinetic stuff happening, and plot all mm. twisting tighter and tighter, the laughter gets more intense. But if you go back and watch him, it's fascinating. Really? Things going literally for zip. I'm just start. thinking, like, the audience that would be in that, in in the auditorium in 1970, what was it, 1975, something like that? Mm. If you think about that, they're people born in the 30s and 40s and they may not have seen anything before. They wouldn't yeah. know what the show is because there's only two seasons. They've probably not even seen it. Maybe yeah, people they're all smoking, all smoking pipes. All smoking pipes. Yeah. All BBC people probably all sitting around thinking, what is this? Is this funny? What you know? is this? Is it a play? Yeah, I what's, mean, it's not going to be like... <laughs> what's Cleese up to now? I remember him from university. What's happening now? Exactly. I thought a very similar thing, actually, in... The studio parts of um, uh, Reggie Perrin, the original Reggie yeah. Perrin, yeah. similar thing. Very like little titters. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Brilliant. Much, stuff. much more like you're watching a theatrical, a lot more theatrical. Mm. And it, and and then if you watch like you know classic episodes of Friends. First thing, hey, rah, yeah, I hate all that though. The, but that or Big Bang <laughs> Theory, or then or then Never. and then it's funny watching my kids grow up. Yeah. Um, and my little girl watching kind of, you know, kind of uh, modern sitcoms with, li- you know, kids in them. Yeah. And just someone raising an eyebrow and it getting a full audience laugh. The sort of Nickelodeon qu- kids sitcom Exactly. Thing. Yeah. It's really weird. Awful. It's almost like, it, it, yeah, <laughs> totally. But it, it kind of, it, it's it's like the sitcom on steroids, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, those yeah. dynamics on steroids that I find are really interesting. I agree. And I, I mean, for me, the laughter track is is key, and I do hear it, especially if someone has a very specific laugh. Yeah. But there's a show on currently that I don't want to diss because I like it and I watch every episode, but the, mm. the reboot of Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Right, with, I've not um, seen it yet. That's on Sky, isn't it? It's on Sky. Um, yeah. I watch it and I really enjoy it. And I, uh, this week we've watched an episode almost every night because I didn't know it was on. Um, yeah. Even I'd miss most of it. But I can't bear the fucking American style laughter track they've got going on. Or they're editing it in a way that something has happened that we're not privy to and everyone's laughing way too much for things. And I just think, what's going right. on? Is that fake? Is that added later? It feels sort of added. It feels like that is right. There's like it just feels a bit too elevated. Yeah, like it's not that. It's not that funny. What I just heard, you know, it's the weirdest thing. I, th- I think how, you know the mic placement, all that stuff. So I'm sort of into recording bits of music for amateur purposes and for you know for doing shows and things. Yeah, and it is fascinating where mics are, how they're mixed, all yeah, that yeah. stuff can have a real massive impact oh yeah and 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 i think there can be there's a, there can be a drive to make everything sound as funny mm. as it is but if you drill into it it's about the content at the end of the day isn't it it's really interesting it is interesting well you're i'll, I'll try not to make too much noise you're in a musical room oh well. nice we have a, is that a hummingbird yeah, you've got yeah, a hummingbird yeah, yeah. we've got all kinds of things in here nice i also for this podcast make all my own music because great I, don't want to pay anybody. Well, I mean, uh, you also take Tupperware to Premier End <laughs> and make your own salad nissoirs in the kettle. I have made salad nissoirs in, in a Tupperware. <laughs> yes, not in I a bet you have.
So I was born in 74, so I grew up in the late 70s and mm. early 80s as a kid. Yeah. And it would be fair to say, and there's no judgment on, you know, a younger generation now, and it would have been exactly how the generation before us viewed us, but we lived in a state of, a certain sort of benign neglect was the general <laughs> approach to parenting. Yeah. You know, now now parents go along to everything their kids do. Oh, yeah. Everything is celebrated generally. I, mean, I don't know if my parents knew half of the stuff that you were doing or no. you were up to or... And they, they certainly came along to some things. I don't, I don't know if my... I, I went to parents' evening last night and I was thinking, I don't remember any of my parents come, or grandparents coming to my parents' evenings. I don't remember right, it yeah, being yeah, a yeah. thing. And if it was, yeah. I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, but we, I mean, we grew up in an era of no seatbelts, people smoking in pubs, <laughs> in cinemas, in, uh, you know, kids on the parcel shelf on holiday without what? going... <laughs> you, you remember the 70s? You remember the 80s? He, he, do you remember when... Do you remember Kaplunk? You know, all that bit... When it was really... made of wood and not made of plastic. Exactly. It was time. It was a hugely, hugely different time, wasn't it? It really was. My nan used to make me get in the smoking carriage of the fucking Northern Line on the tube with her. Yeah, it, it was. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. Like, and you know, the, the I remember, like, the, I remember the, oh, the horrific, like, tragedy of the King's Cross fire. I wasn't. Oh yeah. Well, what year it was? Nineteen eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah. And I remember when I first moved down to London in sort of, what, 97 or something, there was still some of the escalators were made out of wood. Yeah. I used to go to school on the tube when I was about 12. I used to live in Deptford on an estate mm. and go to school in St John's Wood, which sounds posh, apart from it was the roughest school I've ever attended. And I would come up at St John's Wood and they had the the wooden escalator with the sort of old round kind of candle holder lights. That's right, yeah. They were all still there. And what was it? And what... I mean, I could be wrong, but hmm. wasn't that what happened at King's Cross? It was it was a wooden escalator. Cigarettes underneath. With loads of rubbish and cigarettes on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, see, it, you just think like that, like that that, <laughs> that that was, that was like kind of, no one said this is absolutely an absolute powder keg. It's crazy, isn't it? Because you need to get into the meat of what your podcast is about. Yeah, don't yeah, you? yeah. Let's just uh, let's see where this all goes. We'll we'll get into television. Maybe I'll do the number thing. Shall I just do ask you, you do to whatever pick a you want? I'm an open book. Okay, okay. let's uh, pick a number between one and twenty. Uh, Fifteen. Gun to your head, which reality TV show could you stand to be on? Oh, Christ. <laughs> None of them. <laughs> oh, Christ. Bear Grylls Island. Oh, okay. I think I could be on that one. I think I could be. I could be on. I could. I mean, I, could, I know I could be on all of them. I could survive on all of them. Whether I, w- I would be anything like what the producers wanted me to do on the show is another matter. Yeah. But I, I could go on all of them. I'm a fucking grown up. I could go on name, name one, and I'll tell you what I'd do. Okay, SAS. SAS. I'd probably cry quite a lot and maybe get <laughs> sent home for falling over too much with my arthritic foot. But I'd give it a go. So at Middleton would just uh, get you to withdraw for medical reasons. Yeah, something like that. Oh, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd shit myself and leave. Beep, beep. A celebrity Apprentice. Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, I could do that. It never fails to amaze me. Um, I'd, I'd come up with, yeah, yeah, I'd come up with really generic titles for the team, like Team Orbit or Oscillate or something like they that. They always do that, don't they? Come up with things like that. No, syn- synergy, yeah. Synergy, they've definitely done Synergy. Synergy, um, but I think Bear Grylls Island, I'd, I could go on that one because the basics of survival, I think, would be... I, I could enjoy that and it would be a good challenge. Yeah. 
and there'd be enough going on just staying alive, I think. And it'd be you and Bear just there, and then you zoom out and there's 40 other guys. Yeah, well, isn't it the one where there's a group of people in there? Yeah, yeah, I think there's so. There's a group yeah. of people in there. So I watched it when um, Shazzy Mirza was on, and uh, she fell over when she was fishing and knocked Ooh. herself out cold on a rock. Oh, I didn't see that. And then just got up and carried on. Really? Like, Shazzy is rock hard. Absolutely hard. And Mark Watson went home. Oh, yeah. Couldn't hack it. <laughs> Oh, I'll have to watch that. Shazia knocked herself out cold <laughs> and then just cracked on with it. Amazing. Incredible, yeah. Is it a similar show to the one he did where he used to take, like, Obama salmon No, 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 that's the one where he does the one-on-ones and tip. Yeah. Where he yeah. gets people to cry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he goes, oh, it'd be terrible if I fell in this water. I've fallen in the water! <laughs> and, uh, and the cameraman's fallen in the water as well, and he's filming it perfectly. I might yeah, die, yeah. but there's a cameraman film it carrying a camera... <laughs> quite understand how that works i don't doubt he could survive you know but you don't come across as a religious man yourself no uh, but bear grill seems to wedge that in he's he's alpha course isn't he which is i think is that's like action church isn't yeah, it yeah, yeah i went to budapest and they had this um, church with pull-ups well, yeah they had this big church this big beautiful hungarian church and on on it like um almost like when you wrap a car what's that called when you wrap an advert on a car it was like that. There was the wraparound of the church. Was wow. Bear Grylls. Whoa. Bear Grylls, like something academy. I don't know. Bell, it's, yeah, it's interesting. He always has a bit of hair that just pokes over the top of his ears, doesn't he? Does he? I think that's his, <laughs> I think that's his shtick. It's, his it's like a, it's a grown-out shaved look, but a bit of it sticks out over the top of his ears. Because he wants to look a bit messy. He doesn't yeah. want to look yeah, so... He's just, he's just going about his business. Beep, beep. I quite like to be on um, uh, Stacey Solomon's sort your fucking house out. Whatever I love it's that called. Show. It's brilliant, I, isn't it? Let's yeah. talk. I love that fucking show. Where they get everyone's stuff and then put yeah. it in an aircraft hangar and everyone goes, oh, Christ, I'm a hoarder. How did, yeah. Where did I get all this stuff from? Yeah. And How I, much money have you fucking wasted on all this shit that you wild, don't know you have? All yeah. those clothes they have. I do think she's brilliant. She is great. She's so nice and so warm. She's nicer than I'd be. And yeah, she, she basically is able to say, I mean... You're in a real fucking mess. You made a real fucking mess, haven't you? <laughs> and she helps him clear it up. It's brilliant. I think she's great. I think her and Joe Swash must be one of the most genuine and very happy uh, TV couples. Do you know what I mean? They're as happy as their Instagram looks, you think? I should think so, yeah. I don't look at their, them, them on Instagram, but I, I trust that they're... I just, I just get a vibe off them that they're really mm. happy. Because yeah, I've met are. both of them over the years, just at little, you know, little TV bits and jobs and stuff, and they were both really, really sweet and exactly as you'd imagine they would be. I think I did a few panel shows that he was on a while ago, oh, right, right. years and years ago. But very, see, very Essex. I mean, that accent yeah. is, but super and it's not sweet. Put on, it's yeah, totally. Lying. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now he helps as well. He helps on the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Joe's going to help you take all that stuff for fucking tip. <laughs> I forget his name, but the guy who does all the cleaning. And I, I do watch those and try and remember how he does it. He's mm. so happy cleaning like shit off a toilet. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't so it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got, I, I, well, yeah, you've got to find these things in meditation one way or another, haven't you? Beep, beep. I think my wife is a bit of a collector. She's a carpenter, a joiner, and she'll go around the back lanes and she'll fucking find like an old, you know, park bench made out of like wagon wheels or something and, yeah. it and put it in the yard. And she goes, look what I found. Like, She's a womble. She's a Womble, isn't she? Which was a great TV show. Yeah, that was a kid. I mean, to any younger people listening, if you've not seen the Wombles, uh, that was a great show, wasn't it? It was basically, 
I mean, it was in many ways it was a sort you sort sort your shit out of its time, wasn't it? It was a kids' program, an animation with these Wombles that basically um, they were ahead of their time. They were yeah, like they the were Greta recycling. Thunberg of our generation. They're recycling, reusing, sharing, helping mm. uh, on Wimbledon Common, and uh, and and an absolute rocking theme tune as well. Yeah, like, it's heavy. It. Remember, you're a Womble, isn't it? It's like yeah, yeah. yeah. There was more than one song, though, because I remember having an album. Yeah, there's Womble in Christmas, Womble in Free, Remember You're a Womble. There was yeah, a bunch yeah. of them. Mike Bat, wasn't it? Yeah. But there's there's a drive in though in the um in the rhythm section that uh, I, yeah, yeah. I think the Queens of the Stone Age would be happy with. <laughs> yeah. There is, there's a real weight to it. I remember having it on 45, and I thought, this really? this really this is hardcore, this song. But um 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 it's great. Yeah, it's very 70s. I loved it. I think I, I kind of forget that I had the toys. I had some of them. I think I had Uncle Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. Uncle was- Bulgaria, we can remember the days when he was a behind the times. What a tune! <laughs> Shit, the bed. What a tune the Wombles was. answered a question there which was uh what was the tv show you think you'd want to bring back from the dead so you've, you've answered that yeah i just the wombles well, the wombles and kind of bring that the flumps can the flumps tag along as well the flumps that, everyone talks about the flumps and i can't remember oh, what they excellent. look like i didn't mean to look it up <laughs> jamie and his magic torch that was oh, a banging that. theme that was a cracker yes so you're into your themes yeah, yeah. Do you remember rhubarb and custard? That was psychedelic. That was like dropping acid. The whole thing. Also Bernard Cribbins. Bernard Cribbins. Was that Cribbins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that whole thing was an acid trip. Wasn't yeah, yeah. That was my Cribbins favorite. was scraped off the ceiling for that. Do you remember Fred Bassett? Remember Fred Bassett? Fred yeah. Bassett. Do you remember? There was another one called Aubrey, which I remember was I think it was on ITV, and he was like an orange sort of egg-shaped bloke with a big long nose who just put his hands in his pockets but they were his sides no and that's all i can remember that's weird that one don't like that but i was probably really high on tartrazine <laughs> yeah everyone was beep, beep. was there a kids tv show that you would like run home to see from school something you just didn't want to miss in the days of terrestrial television and no pausing uh god all all tv was that because there was literally just a short section mm of programmes that were aimed vaguely at children amongst really, really dull, boring, tedious, boring shite, wasn't it? News at 5.45, I remember, getting in the way of things. Yeah. It always reminds me of that brilliant Norm MacDonald joke, though, that, um, remember when uh, the news was on once a day for about half an hour? (laughs) I think that was enough. Yeah. And, and it was. was, The news was on once, and there wasn't this kind of rolling cycle of it. But amidst... You know, shit like Pebble Mill. What was um, Pebble, Pebble Mill at one? With... Pebble Mill was a lunchtime God, thing from Birmingham studio show of, you know, just... Uh, I don't remember what it was about. Was it like time. the one show? Was it kind of like that? It's like a prototype one yeah. show, but even slower yeah. and more anodyne. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe like kind of if you went back and watched it, it was more chaotic than you remember, because I remember TV was generally live as well, wasn't it? Yeah, a tiny two-minute delay, I think. Yeah. yeah. I just remember, yeah, watching, like, Saturday morning things and someone would say, fuck off, to Philip Schofield and put the phone down. <laughs> That's like, why they stuff put the like delay that on to that happening, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> a pre-delay TV was, was exceptional. It was brilliant because, and it was that kind of thing where 
you know, I think, always think that's the best bits of TV when, you know, when there's a news report and then two kids screech up on bikes yeah. behind and just yeah. start staring down the lens and, can we be on it? We should be on it. Yeah. I just think I think that that the, that edge of TV doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, maybe not. And it's looked for in different ways. They fake of, it now on YouTube. Yeah, they fake it and try and wind people up rather mm. than actually just letting kind of a bit of chaos happen. I'm very sorry about the language that just happened there. Um, yeah. yeah, it's one of the things that happens when you do a live outside broadcast. Over to you, Judith Chalmers. <laughs> <laughs> You could argue that so much of um, the speed of everything on YouTube and, the, and and videos, it's almost like a selection of cum shots, isn't it? Of ju- Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no build-up. Like all of the subtlety and nuance yeah, has yeah. been taken out of, of stuff. Like the, the delayed gratification. No of, foreplay. And it, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I can't think of a better metaphor but that no, actually, like that, that that seems to be, I don't know, and maybe I'm just showing the age that I am. It's just that I find that intensity of stuff and a forever, like, one-armed bandit of here's another mad mm. thing, here's another mad thing, here's another mad yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's the antithesis of every piece of brilliant art there's ever been. Hmm. You're right. That reminds me, for some reason, of, like, American versions of reality TV. Say, pick your Gordon Ramsay, whatever, kitchen mm. nightmares over here. There's a bit of music in the background. He's going around saying, fuck this, fuck that to everybody. In America, yeah. they bleep it, and it's just like daggers. Yeah. You built your restaurant. Done. Just like, hey, yeah. slow down. I, I want to know yeah, the story yeah. here. You know what so I mean? Or, or could we have a, a, a show on TV with cooking where it's fairly amenable in the kitchen, everyone gets on and we work yeah. out actually how this works yeah. rather than someone go, get that done, I'm fucking pissed off with you. What the fuck are you doing? Jim, put that in the bed. Fuck you, fuck off. It's like that brilliant uh, Mickey Flanagan line, isn't it, where you get a bit where you go, calm down, Gordon, we're just doing a bit of dinner. <laughs> exactly. Who knew it was all going to be cooking shows? I reckon Delia and Madder Jaffrey knew that was happening, and that's why they got in at the ground floor. I remember watching Madder Jaffrey, and um, again, like she used to, um, and she'd show you how to cook rice well, because hmm. it's harder than you think to get rice to be decent. Get rice and she'd cooking. always wash the rice. I mean, she washed the rice, and she'd show you. It'd show you her washing the rice. But now, <laughs> like, cookery on YouTube is all... So all the sound is really tight and close, yes. isn't it? Like, eating it. Makes me feel sick. Like, kind of, what's the fucking rush with everything? It's crazy. And just someone, the reality is someone's watching that, scrolling through the phone while they take a shit. You couldn't watch Madder Jeffrey while you're having a shit. You had to sit down on the sofa... With a notepad, you couldn't pause it. You actually pay attention, and then you might have to learn to fucking cook. Yeah, you can like go online afterwards and have a recap. Absolutely, yeah. With some of these uh, transcribe the recipe. I wash the rice three times. What was that TV show where there was a man with a moustache and a beard, and he would paint? It's around the Pebble Mill time. Oh, and he would paint with Bob a... Ross. Is that what it was? And he would paint with a, a, a fucking knife. Like oh no! Like well, there's a few of them. There was a few of them, wasn't there? It was painting with Nancy. It was That's... an American lady painting with oils. I've seen, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. BBC, they were all on the iPlayer, uh, paint along with Bob Ross. God, that must have been so boring He's to the watch. guy with the uh, American guy right. with a big beard. 
and um, right. and he always gets and and he gets his brush and then, and then he, he kind of sort of flappy splats it on the leg of the chair to get the paint off it. Yeah, 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 and then, yeah, yeah. And then just uh, I take my brush and then I just <laughs> beat the devil out of it. How is that? Beat television? the devil out. He said, "Beat the devil out of it." <laughs> the devil out of it. Yeah, Imagine that amazing. Now. People I do know. that now. People are bored to death. Beep, beep. What do you think is the biggest TV change you've seen in your lifetime? Uh, it would be, in my lifetime, it would be the, the absolute flood of reality stuff. Hmm. But then also, actually, what it would be, surely, would be the massive increase in channels. Yes. That would be it, wouldn't it? Because originally there was, there was BBC and ITV, mm-hmm. and then David Attenborough, wasn't it, invented BBC Two. Did he? Like it was, yeah. He just sat there and he went, "We could have BBC Two. <laughs> Is Couldn't that he? true? No one had thought of it. We, they just had the BBC, and he went, "We could have BBC Two. <laughs> Apparently, um, it's you can you can. I'm right. fairly confident he wow. invented the concept of BBC Two. That's mad. That there could be a channel, another channel, uh, and then I, I can remember Channel Four coming in when I was mm. a teenager. Yeah, because they'd have the red triangle on oh, late the night. Red triangle. Know all about the red triangle. Which as a teenager meant. There might be a little bit of How's Your Father alluded to at least. But it was very extreme what they put on. It wasn't just like soft, was it? It was like I remember coming down and seeing my granddad watching like some kind of Japanese rope torture. Like, what is he watching? Yeah, and then then some Polish animation. <laughs> there was a period, wasn't there, where they strange. didn't quite have a full a full uh, program of shows. Yeah, and they bought in some you know some stuff like. Polish anime, random things. And then, very odd. And I, th- I think the other thing, the demise of live music shows oh, yeah. as well. So obviously we had, you know, Top of the Pops incarnations, mm-hmm. the Tube on Channel 4, CD UK, I remember, on ITV, yeah. Saturday mornings. Chart show. Chart show. Uh, as well. And then obviously we've still got Jules Holland. Thank, thank God for that. But you'd also have the other shows, like you'd have TFI Friday, which would... Uh, yeah. And I was talking to Jack Doherty, his show. <laughs> I went to I went to see that being filmed in the theatre. Me too, me too. Mm. He, uh, he gave Ben Folds Five, like, their first live performance. Amazing. Stuff like that. Yeah. So we don't really have that now, apart from Graham Norton, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, and that, that's quite heavily curated, isn't it? You yeah. It's like one generally big star doing a song. Mm. Yeah, so the demise of music... Uh, but the explosion of channels and maybe the only way to fill that many channels. I remember there's a, f- a sketch in Fry and Laurie, I can't remember what it was, and it was about Stephen Fry was playing an angry waiter in a restaurant. Yes. And, he, and it, was, it was about having loads of choice and he came out and poured a massive bin bag of plastic cutlery onto the table and said, it may all be a load of shit, but at least you've got the choice. <laughs> Going back to the Radio Times best films on Netflix this month. Yeah, I just well, otherwise you, you, I can you can lose the evening, can't you? You can lose it. Mm, um, exactly. And then other times I'll just stick the telly on, like and watch the iPlayer live if there's a film on, and just go. I'll just watch mm. half of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, half yeah, of the film. Watch, so, you do oh, that now. I, I know. That, I know <laughs> where we are. Jaws, fantastic. I could watch that from any point, Jaws, and watch it. I must end. admit, I do that now with uh, films. Where's the film thing? We mentioned films. Um, the uh, sometimes we uh, we'll watch half a film. I look over, my missus is getting tired. I guess you watch the missus mm. tomorrow. Yeah. You can. That's another do great that, thing. Then. You can put yeah. a brilliant film on, and you just go. Mm. Uh, I watch an hour. I'll go to bed, and I'll watch an hour tomorrow. Go to bed. You can serialize your own film. It's so simple to do. I like yeah. That. 
Yeah, I it's know. weird, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a tricky one because on the flip side, there is the opportunity, isn't there, to watch all the brilliant stuff uh, at your own beck and call in a way that we didn't have that control growing up. Yeah. And um, and I bet there are loads of people who do absolutely wade in on that and make the most of it. I bet there are. But but it just life is so busy and distracting. It's And there's so much stuff competing all the time for our attention. Yeah. You can get paralysed with indecision. I mean, how much TV can you really watch and how many podcasts can you actually listen to? I mean, it's a full-time job keeping up yeah. with that stuff. So, you know, how many hours do you really want to waste in an evening? You know? Yeah, and then there's the whole world outside. Yeah. You know, there's, there's going outside and there's dogs to be walked and there's all sorts of things. There's toilets to be cleaned, as you, as you flagged up earlier. What's the funniest thing you ever saw on TV, Rob Brass? I wouldn't narrow it down to one specific thing, but I'd say the funniest thing I ever saw on TV throughout my life has been Vic and Bob. I'd say Vic and Bob have been reliably, have made me laugh in a way that other things can't. Did you lock in straight away? Right from the get-go. I remember it it had just hit me at the perfect age. I was about, maybe I was about 15. Mm -hmm. I remember watching, I grew up in a little village, lovely but dull, and uh, as a teenager, needed I just needed a more world, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I loved Blackadder, I'd love Fry and Laurie, I'd loved all that stuff. And before that, with my dad watching Tommy Cooper, Two Ronnies, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Morecambe and Wise. So it was a really good lineage. But that, that was the first comedy. I remember that a trailer came on, I was watching Channel 4, probably waiting for a red triangle of some sort um, or a Polish animation. There was a little... Uh, this guy in a white suit with a quiff popped up and said, watch me, Vicarys, big night out. Friday night, Channel 4, 9pm. Right. And I thought, I'm there. Yeah. And I was there from the get-go. And and I just, it just felt, it just, it was alive. It was doing its own thing. It so different and so mad. It was really funny, yeah. so different. And it was on completely unpasteurized mm. version of what, and, and I got to, uh, lucky enough, when I was um got into comedy, ended up working a little bit with Alan Mark, who produced it. Yeah. And just chatting to him about it, and he'd just say, yeah, I just went down to the place in Deptford, I saw the show, mm-hmm. and just thought, right, how do we do that? How do we do that in front of an audience on the telly? Yeah. And we just, we didn't. He just he just did everything they could just to let it happen mm. and got out of its way. And I think, and just over the years, where, you know, bang, bang, smell of, shooting stars. I mean, shooting stars, I mean, God, in its... Oh, so good. Is Bang Bang with the R and M? Is that what, is that that one? Bang Bang. I think that, was that the smell of? Smell? I can't remember. The one I can't remember. With a fucking brilliant song like "Trapped in My Flat" or yeah, you know, incredible. I love those and, songs. And, just, and everything they've done. <laughs> yeah. Catterick, Bob's uh, Bob's Athletico Mints podcast. Yeah, just absolutely brilliant. The the fecund reality of their. Creativity mm. is amazing. Families at War, which only did one series where they did a primetime Saturday night game show. That was absolutely brilliant. I remember we, me and my mate John were watching it in our shared house yeah. in Lewisham. And there was a, the first challenge was um, this lad, a teenager, was into boxing. And Vic said, and there was a shed and there was a stuffed <laughs> Alsatian next to it. Yeah. And the challenge was this lad had to, just using his boxing gloves, punch the shed down to below the height of an Alsatian <laughs> in under a minute. How weird and, is that? Uh, and, and, he, and he gave it a whack when the clock started and the shed looked like it wasn't going to move. And, Vic, and I remember he gave it a few more. And then Vic just went, go on, son. And I remember he just, he just started laying it and the shed started to go. 
and and it was we were jumping up and down in our seats in our living room and and it was it was just really really funny and really silly mm. and i thought that could have been they could have it was it was fucking great that sounds like they, a great show to bring back they made one series of it, it was, yeah. yeah it was it was brilliant i don't think it i saw brilliant. that what year would that have been then oh god late 90s i think oh. But yeah, but like, just so it would be Vic and Bob, mm. the funniest thing I've ever seen on television. Obviously, Bob is now just like turned into a national treasure. Yeah, I mean, me, me and my son. Whenever he's on, would I lie to you? We tune in, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could you could put Bob's Chris Rea egg in the bath story as one of the funniest things I've ever seen on television. The dentistry one, incredible. That can't be true. It's true. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, incredible. Oh, I love it. I love it. Beep, beep. I think, I think Holby, is it Holby or Casualty still on, isn't it? They've been on for years. I love coming up with the opening titles for that. Go on. Um, <laughs> I'm just going up on the roof, son, to do the drains. <laughs> Dad, you're wearing roller skates. I know what I'm doing. Dad! <laughs> it's great. You, you can just, you yeah. can just do it. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to uncouple this electric fire near this paddling pool. Dad, what are you doing? I know what I'm doing, son. Ah! <laughs> What have we got here? Oh, guy trying to put an electric fire near a paddling pool. Uh, give, give me 20 milligrams of OCG and hold on, we'll see if he stabilises. So you said you watched Blackadder as a kid. So how was... Yes. That must have been mental, if I could still use mm. that word. I'm not sure I'm allowed to. Um, to then be in a Ben Elton TV show. Yeah. They're insane. Incredible. Was that crazy for you? Yeah, really crazy. And um uh and also as oh, I mean, also as well, like working with Harry Enfield as well, who again, like he was a massive influence because he was so so naughty. Yeah. It seemed like, you know, and 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 working with him, yes, yeah, so working with him in Bad Elton was pretty, pretty insane. Beep, beep. What is the TV show you watch that you know it's shit, but you watch it anyway? Ah. Oh, um the only one I've watched that I know is shit, but I've watched anyway, was during lockdown, me and my dear lady wife ploughed through uh, Married at First Sight Australia. I know a lot about this show. I've seen them all. <laughs> I can't remember what series we watched. I Now we're out of lockdown. I can't watch them anymore. Yeah. Because I realise... I can't watch reality TV generally full stop because I just think I haven't got enough hours in my life. It's so many um, hours of television, that show. It's like you it's so many hours to commit to, isn't it? Hours. And I've still not watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> Have you not? No, I started watching it once and it was very long and I was tired and fell asleep. And I'm like, oh, it's yeah, a full yeah. working day, yeah, yeah, isn't it? it? Is. And, and change to, to fly to days. Japan or something and watch them on the way. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it would be that. And, uh, and I... We found ways of enjoying it because mm. we we sat next to each other in separate seats, and every time the bell went ding in the break, we'd touch hands oh, right. um, to remind ourselves that we were still there. And uh, I, I did like John, the American, the, sorry, the Australian expert, yes, who is a relationship expert. It, it can't be said enough. Him and the other experts. There's the intimacy expert, yeah, and the other lady with Mel. the blonde hair, Mel, Mel, yeah, other expert. And uh, and and I I did some number crunching. Mm. I think across the series, I added up uh, hundreds of people that they couples they'd matched mm -hmm. the experts. I think about 
two or three might have been still together. So, yeah, I mean, it's bad. That's a really high hit rate. And I did think at some point they needed to rescind the word experts yeah. to maybe kind of keen amateur. Every time I challenged John's expertise, I was drawn back in by the size of his watch. <laughs> it's a really, way. really big watch. <laughs> and the watch was so big, I thought, he's got to be onto something to have a watch that big. The homestay, when they go to stay with the families and friends. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's a straight-up guy, Stevie. And uh, any any uh, any Sheila who's going to be with my mate uh, needs to learn how to drink exactly. and, uh, and and kill fish with her bare hands. Otherwise, I'm going to break this relationship up. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And they also, like, there's always one guy who's a real, like, macho nightmare who fucks the mm. woman and then immediately after they have sex just doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Every year. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's a disgusting show. It shouldn't really exist, to be fair. Mm. But married, <laughs> marriage. I mean, I'm married, but I mean, the whole concept of that is also silly. Well, I mean, what what, what we did also connect over is um, at the commitment ceremonies. Yeah, the commitment ceremonies. When they decide to either recommit or not, that if one person says they want to stay in the relationship and the other person says they want to leave... Under Australian law, they have to stay in the experiment, <laughs> yeah, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so even if... Which is a very strange uh, message to send. Yeah. Uh, well, albeit sent by experts yeah. in a relationship field, is if one person wants to be in it and the other person really, really wants to leave mm. because it's, it's damaging yeah. them, under Australian law, they have to remain... In the experiment, it's true. <laughs> which, which actually, I do wonder whether you know, um, in ten years' time, five years, possibly sixty seconds' time, we might look back at that as being a, an absolutely justifiably, cancelably reason for for um, everyone involved in that show potentially being prosecuted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also, it's for the current day, it's insanely heteronormative. You know, yes, it coming, really that's is. That's coming from a straight really white is. guy like me. I'm looking yeah. at it going, this is a bit, mm. bit straight white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome to Australia, <laughs> potentially. But yeah, so I've, I've watched that and knew while I was watching it, it was it, it is absolute dog shit. to plug my podcast of course i do a podcast with uh fellow comedian tom rigglesworth mm -hmm. it's called the unlikely weightlifters podcast okay and what we started doing in lockdown was i was started building um an annex for my mother-in-law who now lives in the garden in the annex not, <laughs> not free range um and uh and i've had back problems right, right. in the past yeah Tom was also a fairly new father to two twins, mm. and he took an online BMI medical test and found out that he was medically emaciated, like an extra from, from the TV show Tenko. <laughs> so he, he took it upon himself to, uh, to try and get a bit stronger, but we found that weights and stuff got really expensive in lockdown, so we cast our own in buckets greased buckets and Haribo tins really? using concrete and really? stuff and built our own wow. out sort of kind of Fred Flintstone type of gyms. Basically, the whole thing is a ruse for once a week to, to spend time with one another yeah. and, and just talk absolute nonsense. So the podcast itself uh, contains only trace elements 
of weightlifting, occasional <laughs> sounds of us being out of breath, but we just talk about life and nonsense. And and it's, uh, I mean, I think I think the USP of it is it doesn't have a USP, if that makes sense. And it's about it's about friendship. It's about friendship. That's what it's about. It's a very broad church. And uh, we're currently um, uh, carrying out a survey called Pant Cage UK, uh, where we are trying to build up a picture of the pant cages at branches of TK Maxx across the British Isles. I don't know if you've bought you any pants from TK Maxx. The guys' pants are served up in these kind of racks, uh, and we've um, the ladies' pants are, are, are vended in a more traditional hanger fashion, mm. but the men's. They're all boxed up and in these racks of pants, like a fish market or something. Yes, 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 of course. The Tokyo laundry. Tokyo laundry. Tokyo laundry. Always someone's pulled them all out and changed the sizes. Exactly, yeah, if someone's inspected them. So what we do is we we analyse the pant racks for um, content, uh, percentage of boxes opened, percentage of boxes destroyed, um, uh, you know, general vibe, yeah. position in the store, uh, you know, whether how far it was from household items, plates, that kind of stuff. Uh, and also whether there are any packets of pants made by Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks. The uh, British uh, manufacturer, <laughs> Jeff Banks, from the Cloud Show. Um, because we're finding they, they seem to be dropping off, so we're trying to get a Jeff Banks pant reading programme back into TK Maxx. Anyway, trying to build up a picture, but that's the kind of nonsense yeah. we've got, and we get listeners submit them. Uh, men and women alike we've had doing surreptitious recordings from uh, different branches. Really? Someone sent one in from Wigan last week. A lady <laughs> did. It was brilliant. That's really funny because... Last year, I went. we went to London. I'm from London, but I live in Newcastle. But we went to London, took the kids. And I went out. And I always get very uh, disheartened when I go clothes shopping, like I think mm. many men do. But I ended up in TK Maxx in Camden Town. Yeah. Exactly. In great, the, great pant right good there. One, good one. Yeah. Found some Tokyo laundry. Kind yeah. of annoyed me. Uh, A bamboo fabric, so it wicks moisture away from your various clefts. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, they were, what were they surrounded by? I can still see them. It's A hillfire guy. Polo. Yeah, probably Alessi. Cristiano Ronaldo's brought his own oh, range of pants. He's, champion. he's retailing Some in champion. packs of six. Champion. Farah. Farah. JCB. They make diggers and pants. All oh, right. Hell of a factory, that one. Love at all. <laughs> and they've always got those, um, you know, those beige kind of security tags. They look like they're from the 80s, you know, the ones? Yeah. And they're punched right some, through. And they're pushed yeah. in and they make the packet bulge. That's right. And if you're going to try those ones on, you've got to what we call a utility belt try-on. Yeah. Where you have to unfold the pant, but try them on with the box still attached. Oh, you try them on? You're like Batman's on, utility right? belt. Can't try on pants. Have never been stopped. I think so. I mean, over the clothes. Oh, over the clothes. Or you, you can get them out for a, <laughs> like an offer-up to check if they're vaguely the right size. <laughs> yeah. That's called a utility belt try-on. Yeah. Gotcha. I like it. But yeah, it's Pancage UK. It is, as we, as far as we can tell, the largest census of pant cages in TK Maxx in the UK that's ever been undertaken. So it really is... It's big data we're crunching. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, thanks for coming on Television Times. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Are you going up Fringe next year? I intend to. Good. Fully intend to. I'll see you there. All right. See you there. Okay. Nice one, Steve. Take care. See Lots you, of love. See you soon. Rob Rouse uh, talking to me a couple of months ago. What a funny guy. I mean, what, the energy in that episode was just so great. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It made me feel like this is what I want the podcast to be. Uh, you know, just a fucking great laugh. That's what it should be. And that's Rob. Check him out online. Check out his specials and go and see him live. He's brilliant. And now to today's outro track. Beep, beep.
Today's song is called The Slugs. It's a song that I wrote uh, during my Trans-Siberian trip, I believe, in 2003 and was recorded in Tokyo in the late summer of that same year. It's the final track on my album, The Fear of Flying. So here is The Slugs. Subject to change I thought I knew the future Thought I knew it good And everything that could done could I'd like the world to answer For my mistakes you cannot run forever Or you'll go A The non-believers they take To a long to grieve And that's why I hope I'll never be Why is it still
you enjoyed the slugs and I hope you enjoyed Rob Rouse. If so, please come back next week for another episode of Television Times. See you then. Bye for now. <laughs>